Thanks for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange, visit www.theexchange.cc or you can visit us for one of our Sunday gatherings each Sunday at 9.15 and 11 a.m. Uh, for just a few minutes tonight, I want us to think about this word that we've declared over and over over the last five minutes or so, this word adore. You know, the word adore has a lot of different definitions. It means to revere, uh, to exalt, to praise, to glorify, or to worship. Uh, and, and now adore, probably not a word that most of us use on a normal day-to-day basis in our regular everyday vocabulary, all right? But adoring is something that I believe that we all do quite frequently. We adore many different things. As a culture, we adore what? We adore babies. Okay, everybody adores the baby. And then we adore puppies, right? Until they go in the house. And then we adore, uh, you know, in a polite way to uh, correct them. We adore a lot of different things. For some of you ladies, you adore new shoes or a new outfit. All right? And some of you fellas, not so much there. Like you adore a sports team or a hunting rifle or some camo or maybe a big juicy steak. Amen. Right? Okay. We adore a lot of different things. In fact, if we probably hopped on your Facebook page or your Instagram feed, right now, we could probably get a really good glimpse into your life, into all of the different things that you adore. For some of you uh, on your feeds, there's probably pictures of you uh, doing your favorite hobby or whatever your free time activity is. There's probably pictures uh, of your kids or maybe your grandkids if you're a grandparent in the house. Uh, Maybe for you, there's pictures of you and your significant other, or you and your spouse, you and your boo, and you adore them, and you spent maybe a lot of money on them this Christmas because you adore them that much. Uh, maybe for some of you kids in the room, maybe you could say that you adore a favorite TV show or you adore a favorite toy or a video game or maybe a, a present that you've already gotten this year at Christmas. Uh, for others of you, maybe there's pictures of you and your family or you and your besties doing whatever you like to do together, right? We adore many different things. Whether we realize it or not, we're constantly in this act of revering, of exalting, and of worshiping something. So tonight I want us to take just a few minutes and think about this word adore and even more so this act of adoring in light of the Christmas story. And so if you got a copy of scripture, I invite you to go to Luke chapter 2. Uh, Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to be this evening. And if you don't have a hard or digital copy of scripture that you brought with you tonight, uh, we will put all of the verses on the screen just for you to follow along uh, with where we are. But Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to be. And I'm going to kind of fast forward us through a little bit of Luke 2 because in Luke 2, we find what is really the most well-known account of the Christmas story where Mary and Jesus travel to a city called Bethlehem and they travel because of the census and everybody's getting a head count, but they get there. And if you know the story, Mary is very, very great with child. All right. She's like ninth month in and they get there and there's no place for them to stay. And they end up in a stable or in a cave where there's animals. And in that most unlikely of places, Jesus Christ, the savior of the world comes into the world. Like here comes Jesus in the stable, in the manger and the baby is born. And if you were with us uh, this past weekend, we looked at verses eight through 14 and we talked about the announcement of the angels to the shepherds. And there was really, really good stuff loaded in there that the very first announcement of the Christmas story came to the most unlikely of people, some shepherds out on a hillside. And now I want to remind us, if you weren't with us uh, last weekend, I want to remind you that the, the shepherds, although a very prominent role and a needed role in this culture, they were not the most prominent of people in society. In fact, the role of a shepherd in this day was someone who was thought to be an outsider. They were the, they were the outsiders. They were the lowlifes of society. Because of the job that they had, they were ceremonially unclean. Like they would not have come to Christmas Eve with the exchange. They were not welcomed into the house. 
But yet it's this group, it's that group that God says, hey, out of everybody in humanity, that's the very first people that I'm going to share the greatest news of history with. Some shepherds on a hillside. I mean, I think there's so much truth and hope packed into that one little nugget of history there that no matter what your story is, no matter what your journey is coming into Christmas 2016, the story of Christmas and the hope of Jesus matters for you too. If God chose some shepherds on a hillside at the bottom rung of society to share the hope of Christ with, then the message of Christmas matters for you too. It counts for you. And so today, what I want us to do is I want us to look at the shepherd's response to the angel's message. Last, last weekend, we looked at the angel's message to the shepherds, and they brought what? They brought joy, and they brought truth, and they brought peace. And we said, it wasn't just for the shepherds, but it was for all of us. It was for all people for all time. And so today, I want us to see how did the shepherds respond to this message of the angels. And so go to Luke chapter 2. We're going to go down to verse 15. And let's look at verse 15 together. This is what... Scripture says, it says, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Verse 16, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. So the angels share the news that's changing history to this unlikely group of shepherds. And in these two verses, we see the first of their two different responses that I want us to latch on to today. And the first response of the shepherds to the announcement of the angel is that they responded with personal adoration for the Savior. They responded with personal adoration for the Savior. And there's two different ways I think that this is demonstrated. This is seen, this personal adoration for the Savior. First is they went and then they worshiped. They went and then they worshiped. I want you to try to put yourself in the mindset of these shepherds on a hillside. Think about this. I know none of you, maybe hardly any of you, if ever have been shepherding, right? But let's just kind of go there for a moment. You're out on a hillside. It's the end of a long day. You've got a pasture full of sheep that you've been chasing. I'm talking about some knuckle-headed sheep. They've run off. You've got some of them that are sick. They're fighting with each other. And you're the one who is responsible for them. And it's the end of the day, and all you want to do is kick back on a rock, on a tree, in the middle of the field, and go to sleep. And let somebody else take the shift. That's all you're thinking about. You're the lowest rung of society. And in that moment, at the end of the workday, the angels step in and announce the birth. They announce the coming of the Savior of the world. That's a lot to process for a group of shepherds. Like That's that's information overload. But in verse 15, we see their response to what the angels say. And this is their response. Check out verse 15. It says, let's go and see this thing that has happened. Let's go and see this thing that has happened. Scripture says they immediately went. But think about all of the different ways that the shepherds could have responded, right? If they were the type A shepherd, they would have sat and asked for more information. Like they would have asked questions. No, tell me how this went down so that I can process this with my friends here before we go and see what has happened. All right. Or if you, they were the inquisitive type, they would have tried to explain it away. All of the different reasons. Like I'm a logical thinker. This could not be so like you, we're the shepherds. You don't come and share that kind of news with us. They could have responded in disbelief and told the angels that they were crazy. Like, bright light, angels filled, okay, maybe we need some more sleep. They could have responded in all of these different ways. They could have run away in fear. But Scripture says they chose to respond with urgency. 
by immediately going to see what they had been told. And they demonstrated this personal adoration for the Savior because they went. They chose to go. But not only did they go, but they also worshiped. The shepherds immediately, they go into Bethlehem. Verse 16 says, guess what? They found things as just like the angels had announced. Not some of the details rearranged, trying to figure this thing out. No, there's Mary, there's Joseph, there's the baby in a manger, just like they said. And out of that, skip down to verse 20 and look at what happens with the shepherds. Luke chapter 2, verse 20. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Did you get to that beginning of the verse? The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God. In other words, the shepherds demonstrated their personal adoration for the Savior, for what God had said by worshiping. I mean, it overflowed into their response, and they were overwhelmed at what they had seen because every word of God spoken to them was true. Like down to the last detail, every word, every prophecy from hundreds of years ago was true in this moment, and the shepherds could not contain themselves. And they responded with worship. Because you see, we adore or we worship what brings us joy and what brings us value. We adore and we worship what brings us joy and what brings us value. And in this moment, the shepherds were overwhelmed with joy that the Messiah had come. But not only that, but the Messiah had become personal for them. And in this moment, they were eyewitnesses to God's faithfulness to humanity. The shepherds were there and they responded with worship. They demonstrated their personal adoration. Because they went and then they worshiped. But I wonder about you. I wonder about your story and how your story may connect with the story of these shepherds out on a hillside. Because the truth is that we've all been issued an invitation by God. We've all been issued by an invitation by Jesus to come and follow him. Right? We read it all throughout scripture. What does Jesus say? He says, come and follow me and find rest. Come and follow me and find rest hope, or even greater, come and follow me and find life. The invitation, just like for the shepherds, has been issued to every single one of us. But maybe not quite like the shepherds. Maybe you haven't made the decision that the shepherds have made, right? They responded with what? Urgent obedience. But maybe for you, maybe the invitation of God in your life, maybe you've met that with fear and you've run the opposite way. I've been there and done that. Maybe for others of you, you spent a long time trying to explain away why you even need God in your life. I'm a big old boy, man. I can handle this. I'm a smart girl. I think I can figure things out. Maybe you've spent years, months, maybe decades not responding to the invitation of God like the shepherds. And maybe you've tried to deny your need for him. Maybe you try to explain away the existence of God or why he would be important in your life. But what we must all realize tonight is the first response of personal adoration. Oh, come let us adore him. The first response is that we would respond by coming to God's invitation to all. We sang it just a second ago. I mean, we listed all these different labels. We said that story matters for you. That invitation is for you to come and follow me. But not only that, but then again, I think the shepherds and scripture points out that when we obediently come and follow Jesus, that our lives will be inclined to worship him. 
You know, we really can't claim that we personally adore Jesus or that we're following him unless our life is responding in worship to Jesus. Now, let me set something straight. When I say, are you worshiping Jesus? I don't mean, do you sing when the band gets up here and when like they strum the guitar and the drum hits? Like, are you into all that? Do you sing on key? That's not what I'm talking about. You see, worship is so much bigger than that. Worship is the response of our lives to the Jesus that we supposedly adore. Think about what drives you more than anything in your life. What drives you? Is it maybe the pursuit of more influence, more power, authority at your position, at your job? Is it the pursuit of more comfort? Is it the pursuit of more stuff or more money? Man, if we could just get to this level and kind of be on their level, because we watch how their life overflows with joy, right, on social media. If we could be there, then we, we would be set too. What is the driving factor of your life? What is the driving force? If we were, better yet, if we were to walk into your home right now, tonight, this week, into your family, what would we walk out saying that you and your household adore? Maybe it's the kids getting a good education. Maybe it's having nice stuff. It's having a good automobile, a good career. All of those really, really, really good things, if managed well, but never intended to be the prominent thing. Never intended to be the prominent thing. You see, the shepherds went and they worshiped because the Savior was what they valued. And I believe that when we believe that Jesus is best for our life, We will obediently come at his invitation. We will go. And then our lives will overflow into worship of him, that he becomes the most prominent thing to us. See, the shepherds responded by going and by worshiping, and they demonstrated a personal adoration for Jesus. But I want to go back to our passage, verse 17. Look at where we left off. Luke 2, 17 says, When they had seen him, when they'd seen Jesus, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. In verse 18, And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So here's the, the second response of the shepherds tonight to this news of the angels to them through God is that they responded with public adoration for the Savior public adoration of the Savior. They, they had personal adoration, but then all of a sudden the personal adoration became public adoration and they began to overflow because I'm convinced that what we adore personally will become very evident publicly. What we adore personally will become very evident publicly. All right. A few months ago, uh, we had a pizza inn come here to our city. All right. How many of you have dined at the fine dining of the pizza inn? All right. Okay. Now, I'm not laughing. Why are you laughing? Man, I'm serious, okay? For those of you who know me, like pizza is one of my love languages. So needless to say, I was stoked whenever we were getting a pizza in like minutes from my house. And needless to say, my family and I have visited there quite a few times. Baby, don't cook tonight. We're going to the pizza inn, all right? I'm taking us all out to the pizza inn. And if you also know me, you know that desserts, all right, desserts is what, how God speaks to me personally, okay? And so you combine pizza and desserts together, all right? This boy can't hold himself back, all right? And so the first time we go to the pizza inn, I'm at, I'm, you know, eating my main course, and I even did salad. I was a good boy. And I got to the end of the line, and there's the dessert pizza, all right? Come on, talk to me. And the dessert pizza, I saw something I'd never seen before. And so I put it on my plate, and I went back to the table, and this one required a fork, and 
so I stuck it in and put that bite into my mouth, and I kid you not, all right, that was one of the best bites of food I have ever put into my mouth. I know you think I'm lying. It was amazing. I don't even know what it was, but it was amazing. That may be scary, but it was amazing. And I told my wife, I said, you have to get some of this. Like, I'm, I'm not letting this leave here without you having some of this. And guess what? She went and got some, and she came back, and she thought the same thing. And I was like, amen, that's right. We're going to do this together. Son, you get you some. It was awesome. It was, but here's the problem. We didn't even know what it was called. And like, we, I went back to the buffet. I'm like, please tell me right now, what is this? There's no little label up here. They couldn't tell me. I'm like, all right, I'm not going to get you fired because you made that, and that was really good. But like, you need to know what your pizza's called. And so... Finally, about a week later, my wife calls to try to order this pizza for my birthday. And so when she calls, she finds out that the pizza is called the ooey gooey pizza. And I know you're going, that sounds horrible, but it is out of this world. I'm talking about five star top of the, it's amazing. It's like cake pizza with icing on top of it and ooey gooey stuff all inside. I know health menu worthy. It's awesome. And I'm telling you, if I talk to you about the pizza in, we're talking about the ooey gooey. Like, I'm going to tell you how amazing it is. I took Pastor Josh uh, to lunch uh, about a month or so ago, and we went to Pizza Inn, and I told him about the ooey gooey, and he tried it, and he's been singing better ever since. It is awesome. <laughs> and I know that Pastor Josh and Pastor, they get sick of me wanting to go to Pizza Inn just for the ooey gooey. All right, I talk about around the office. Hey, if we're going to lunch, like, what about pizza in? Y'all ain't tried that out? Okay, and so it's, it excites me so much now that when I go, I'm not kidding you, when I go to the pizza in and I'm in line to get my food and I see the ooey gooey come out, like something wells up inside of me. And I start looking at the other people in line. I'm going, skip the pepperoni. Trust me, you don't need that. You need some of the, after I get mine, all right, then you can have some. But you have to try this. The ooey gooey is the real deal, all right? And now every one of you in the room want it. Like, I don't know if they're open tonight. But you see, here's what happened. I had a personal experience with the ooey gooey. And it has affected my public adoration of the ooey gooey. Because what we adore personally will always become very, very evident publicly. And that's what happened with the shepherds here in this moment. They believed God's announcement. They didn't explain it away. They believed it, and they went. And they saw every word of it was true. And their life responded in worship. And that worship then overflowed into a public adoration of the Savior. And I love what verse 17 says. It says, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. In other words, they told, they told everyone they knew, God's done it. The Savior's here. Like, history's changed right now in this moment. The Messiah, I know we've been talking about it for hundreds of years. He's here. Like, he didn't come like you thought. He came as a baby, believe it or not, in a manger. No, in a state, Bethlehem. Go there. We've seen him, and it's changed our life. 
and their personal adoration begin to affect their public adoration of the Savior. And I love what verse 18 says happened next. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. In other words, everybody wanted the ooey gooey. Everybody was in line because everyone the shepherds told were amazed. Check this out. The coming of the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us, not only changed the shepherd's life, but according to Scripture, it changed the lives of everyone around them. Why? Because their personal adoration of the Savior affected their public adoration of the Savior. And ultimately, you and I sit here this evening on Christmas Eve as a recipient of the public adoration of the Savior of the shepherds, should I say, who went and told everyone. And everyone responded because it was true and it was real and it changed everything. And again, I have to ask us each to personally consider the question, does your personal adoration of Jesus overflow in such a way publicly that it affects the adoration of others towards Jesus? In your workplace, does your public adoration of Jesus overflow and affect others? Are you just another employee at the company? In your neighborhood, in your household, this is our place. Does your public adoration of Jesus overflow in such a way that it begins to affect others around you? Are you just another house on the street or another apartment in the complex? Students, Does your personal adoration overflow into public adoration that affects your classmates, your friends at school? Are you just another student in the class? And even better yet, does your personal adoration of Jesus overflow into the way that you publicly adore him in your home, in your marriage, with your kids, with your parents? Because I believe that when personal adoration really gets in place and we accept the invitation and our life is inclined to worship Him, it changes everything. Here's what Jesus Himself says, Matthew 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And verse 16 says this, In the same way, let your light shine before others, not just some, but all others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. See, when you've truly unwrapped the gift of Christmas that was, oh, not just a baby in a manger, but it was a baby that became to be the Savior for the sins of the world, and it counted for you. When you really begin to unwrap Him, and it changes the personal adoration of your life, the light inside of you should become so bright, as Jesus says in Matthew 5, that it begins to shine brightly into the life of others around you. Because here's the deal. Tonight, tomorrow, over this next week, as we walk out of here tonight, you have some incredible, we have some incredible opportunities to allow our personal 
adoration of Jesus to affect our public adoration of Jesus. As you walk into households of your family and friends and back into the workplace Monday, hey, how was the holidays at your house? We have some incredible opportunities to go, I chose to come to him. Maybe for the first time ever. Like I accepted the invitation, it counted for me. To personally worship him. To put him in the place of most prominence, of highest prominence over our life. And ultimately to allow our personal adoration to affect our public adoration. And the way that we declare, and the way that we demonstrate, and the way that we celebrate Emmanuel, Savior, come to us, to everyone around us, not only this Christmas, but every day for it. Thanks again for listening to this message. For more information about the exchange or to find out how you can connect with or support what God is doing, visit www.theexchange.cc. Now go, be the church, and give life.